You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. I I heard or read something about how you you identify yourself like in your Instagram bio. I think it says you're very curious, very lazy. Yeah. It's like at first I was like, oh come on, dude, you've written books and you, you're doing all this productivity research. And then I thought, man, I'm lazy too, and I do a lot. <laughs> like I yeah. have you have to. You, it's like you're fighting that laziness. Or at least that's what I'm doing. I'm fighting that laziness so hard mm-hmm. because I know it's a flaw that I have. That it makes me productive. How are you fighting the laziness? By by beating myself up over it, I guess. I don't oh, know. No. I getting well, really it, stressed and not calm at all and doing <laughs> the opposite of Chris. I, I, I th- no, not the, it, it's, um, I, I think you can be lazy and still make progress in the moment. You know, it's because it doesn't matter how slowly you work often if you work in the right direction. And, you know, we waste so much time every day and we leave so much attention on the table often too. Um, you know, when we get distracted or interrupted uh, when we're working on a task, it takes us an average of 20, 25 minutes uh, to get back on track afterward, to get aligned to the original thing that we were working on. So if we're working half as slow, we're moseying on, we're making slow and steady progress, but, but, um, steady progress and not really getting off track, I, I think we become more productive through that laziness, not to mention we what we often lose in speed. You know, there's there's a limit to this stuff, of course, right? If you work in slow motion, good luck uh, having a job after much of a period of time. Uh, but, you know, what, often what we lose in speed, we make up for in deliberateness. And this is especially the case with knowledge work. You know, when, when I'm writing a book, my, my trick to writing a book is to write very, very slow. Uh, because if I write fast, uh, my my uh, my body will be over my kind of heels and then I might start tumbling downhill. Uh, but if uh, if there's kind of that that deliberateness to our pacing and that deliberateness takes um, into account our natural tendencies to want to take our time with things, I think there's there's a remarkable, um, calm to that, there, but there's also a lot of productivity if that's something that you value. So we're able to make steady progress because we make sure we're going in one direction. It, if that makes sense, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. The practice of meditation is, in some ways, um, being as deliberate as you can about everything you're doing. Right, being as deliberate as you can about how your body is positioned, about your thoughts, yeah. uh, about your breathing. So being very deliberate, it makes sense that that would be calm. Um, or, or focus sense of calm. Yeah. And you actually enjoy things more too. When you're deliberate or when you're calm? When you're deliberate. Yeah. Because you, you are slow enough to appreciate them. You know, there's so many moments of our life that we just rush past. And, you know, I look, uh, so we mentioned calm. The, the latest book is on calm, uh, First and only plug of the episode. I'll it won't be the only things. one. That's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, hate get, I hate getting all self-promotional. Um, but it's uh, we we so often rush past the most 
beautiful moments of our life because there's so much on our mind or we're moving too fast to appreciate them in the first place. And w- one, of the, one of the interesting fields that I encountered in, in writing this book is the science of savoring. Uh, and so there's actually a process. The savoring is the name for the process where we convert positive experiences into positive emotions. And so just because you experience something incredible does not mean you'll derive any satisfaction from it whatsoever. You know, think about, uh, you know, we were out for dinner the other night and across the, the way from my wife and I, the couple there was just, were taking pictures, they were posing on Instagram, they were doing all this stuff. I don't know if they really tasted their food, <laughs> but when you slow down enough to actually uh, do this positive rumination on the present moment, uh, we can derive more satisfaction from everyday experiences, and that's what savoring is about. So it's about productivity. You know, of course, that's, you know, what I'm curious about. That's my background. But it's also about actually deriving more enjoyment out of life. You know, we we slow down enough to appreciate the positive things in our life. We anticipate them. We reminisce about them. We uh, marvel at them. We luxuriate in them. All of these are styles of this idea called savoring. Um, And, you know, moving fast is not conducive often to a good life in a lot of different ways. So so how is savoring different from just sort of being present and aware and, and taking in the experience that you're having? Yeah, it's all about that positive rumination. And so we're, we're really soaking in the, the good parts about something. So, you know, if you're eating a, a burger, your entire attention is devoted to the positive aspects of that experience, which is different from mindfulness, which is usually looking at a moment with, you know, without judgment, right? Without trying to label things in a certain way. The interesting thing about savoring too is the wealthier somebody is, the less likely they are to savor their lives. So wealthier people report a diminished ability to actually enjoy themselves. Why do you suppose that is? It's because we have these, not to nerd out too much, but I feel this is a safe space for this. Um, (laughs) We we have these two opposing networks of our mind. We have uh, an acquisition mentality, right? And all the networks in our brain that that support it. Uh, And then we have a here and now network, which we activate when we're present in a fun conversation, uh, when we're savoring something and immersing ourselves in a positive thing completely, uh, when we're in a state of flow, right? Where we look up at the clock and two hours have gone by, it feels like 15 minutes, but we're so immersed in the work or conversation or whatever, that time seems to not exist at all. That's the here and now network. That's the productive network. That's the focus network. That's the network that leads us to appreciate things. But when we seek to acquire more of something, that activates a network that is opposed to the here and now network. Uh, and so this is more money, more productivity, more problems, all these different things. Uh, and the more we seek more of what we have, the more we're pulled out of the here and now, in other words. And so it's this fascinating thing uh, where, ironically, the more that we uh, strive for more and the more 
productive often that we want to become, that can work against how focused and present we are. And so it's all about striking a, this deliberate balance between striving and savoring, where we strive enough to make progress and uh, be able to provide and live the life that we intend to live, but we also savor it. So we uh, essentially, you know, take out dividends from our life and, and enjoy those and spend those and uh, enjoy the fruits of all that we've accomplished. But it's interesting. Uh, and that's that's my theory. That's my hypothesis, um, which I think would, would bear out in the research, though I haven't seen a study in this regard, that wealthier people are more likely to have that acquisition mentality. Well, that's that's how they got there, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so it would make sense. I, I think that whole, I think that's really true. When we look at where we are in, in growth aspects, there's a lot of value, I believe, in looking back, looking at the gains that you've made, and and having a sense of appreciation for where you are and what you've accomplished. And the and the more we focus on the the struggles to come, I I think it creates a negative emotional environment for ourselves that make yeah. it harder for us to activate the energy to to make those positive changes in our life that we need to. So yeah. I, I think you're and, I think you're right on target. I, I have difficulty finding substantive uh, examples or you know or research rather that that bears that out other than getting into a state of flow where you're moving from uh let's say positive stress that gives you energy into yeah. distress right <laughs> which yeah, yeah. Would, would give you negative energy to move forward but you know finding that that right balance is is interesting and and maybe you've landed on something in terms of of having that savory uh savoring experience and and appreciating where you are can can be that middle ground that gives you that that uh that I, right position to, to move i see it all the time with wealthy people um that we work for is there's there's this theme in our culture um is you, you've got to do more you've got to get more you've got to grow your business if you're not growing your business if you're not growing a business you're dying right that's yeah. that's the yeah. common phrase Okay, it, you know, in in a way that that's true. I think what would be more accurate is to say if you're not improving, you're dying. It it and that gets misinterpreted as you've got to increase your top line revenue every year. Well, that's not necessarily true. But if you're not improving in life, you're dying, right? If I'm not improving my physical health, my physical health is deteriorating. It's not staying the same. If not, if I'm not building muscle, I'm probably losing muscle. If I'm not getting in better shape, I'm getting in worse shape. I'm not just staying. If I'm yeah. not getting more knowledgeable, if I'm not reading more, then I'm getting dumber. <laughs> After the age of 26, our um, our cognitive ability declines consistently throughout life. So the best thing that we can do is stave that off. I think after age 30, our ability to in in you know build muscle mass decreases every year throughout the rest of our life. Our bone density decreases every year throughout the rest of our life. So in some way, we're we're dying physically, and we all know we're perpetually falling towards death. We're dying. If we're not improving, we're dying. And if we're not attempting to improve, then we're definitely not staying the same. So when you're talking about wealthy people who don't savor the moment, yeah, like there's this mindset that I see all the time of, oh, I got to get more money, got to earn more money, got to yeah. grow my business. But there's not a understanding in the minds of most people of the purpose of doing that. 
Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't it, mean yeah. don't get more, don't have more, don't do more. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do the, those things, um, but you have to know why you're doing it. Why am I pursuing more wealth? Why am I pursuing higher income? Why am I pursuing revenue increase in my business? And if you don't have a clear, noble aim, then you're doing it for the sake of doing it, right? Which well, is not going to allow you to save her. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I, I call this the mindset of more, where we have this generalized striving for more of whatever it is that we have. And money seems to be the one that, you know, most of us tend to focus on as if that's the only currency of life. Yeah. You know, as if there's other currencies, all, all those other ones don't matter. You know, how happy we are, how deep our relationships are, how much meaning we find in everyday experiences, how much we enjoy our day. All of that gets put to the wayside because we focus on this relentless pursuit of this generalized striving for more of, or of whatever we have. And actually, one of my favorite things to ask the, the wealthier people I know and this is a fun experiment if you know some some wealthy people. Uh, ask them, what what do you savor the most in, in your life? Uh, because, and you think, you got all this money, you would hope you enjoy something. You would hope you, you enjoy it, right? Uh, but it is, you know, you see the, the look on their face and they're stumped. They're, <laughs> they're absolutely stumped. They, they can't think of anything. But then you ask, uh, you know, a, a relative who's less well off and, you ask them, what, what do you savor in your life? And uh, what do you enjoy? And they'll rhyme off 30 things. So I love, you know, going to the coffee shop every Saturday with, with the boys. And I love, uh, you know, the hockey, the, the hockey game was great last night. And, you know, you, you hear all these examples and you think, okay, which situation would I rather be in? Uh, but I, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's necessary to kind of trade, uh, you know, in your money for happiness. I think there are ways of definitely uh, getting uh, everything we want. Um, we just need to be intentional about it. Thanks for making the great decision to listen into this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Singer Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.